It doesn't matter if you love craps, blackjack, machines, or dining on the finest Asian, American, and Salish cuisines. It doesn't matter what you do or where you're coming from. Muckleshoot. What you do is all at Muckleshoot. An easy drive from wherever you are. All roads lead to Muckleshoot. Horse Racing Northwest Breeders' Cup Week in the world of thoroughbred racing and truly a world event with uh, the Euros and the, the Japanese, Japanese horses the last several years. Joe with you and Vince Brune. Vince, uh, Breeders' Cup Week, a lot of stimulus for us uh, horse racing people and handicappers. Yeah, for the 11th time, it's at uh, mm. in Arcadia, California at Santa Anita Park. Uh, Friday and Saturday, and as usual, some really terrific betting races. Oh, boy. Yeah, this is the 40th Breeders' Cup. Started back in 1984 at Hollywood Park, and Breeders' Cup number 40 this year. At Emerald Downs, gates open at 8.30 on Friday morning, 8 o'clock on Saturday morning. 8.30 Friday, 8 o'clock Saturday. Uh, The third floor is going to be open both days. Of course, floor number 5 certainly the main floor and uh seating is first come first served on the fifth floor so make sure you get your spot uh the third floor is going to be open there won't be any services on friday on the third floor but saturday there will be with the classics open there for food and beverage and also the bar um of course the quick picks popular spot for food on floor number five. That'll be open both days, of course. So uh, we're also going to have our bus service open to the Auburn train station and bus station, which is just about a mile and a half away. Uh, That'll be running every 15 minutes on Friday and Saturday. So if you do need to use that, take a train or light rail or bus to the Auburn station, you can get a free lift over to Emerald Downs, both Friday and Saturday special event there. So, Breeders' Cup week at Emerald Downs. And uh, speaking of our big races, uh, our Long Acres Mile winner in action this week, Vince. Yeah, um, he is down at uh, with Justin Evans. Uh, excuse me. Uh, Justin Evans is down at Delta Downs, but that's where uh, Five Star General is running in uh, the Delta Mile. Yeah. And the race came up really interesting, you know, for those of us who follow the racing up here. Zestful, who ran in the mile, is in there. And a horse called Katona, now with Justin Evans. We tried to get that horse to come to the mile this year. He did nominate and hasn't run since the Pleasanton mile. He's now with Justin Evans. Uh, So a really uh, neat race. There's a Louisiana bred in there that... uh, me and Joe were looking at that he is a, a terror on the front end. So a five-star general might have to sit a little bit, but he can do that. So uh, a very interesting race. And then uh, Tiz Macho Girl is in the treasure chest later on the card, who uh, won our distaff uh, this year and now with Justin Evans down there for the horrors. And uh, so that'll be an interesting race. I think that's the eighth race. It's kind of the Philly Amer equivalent of the Delta Mile. 
Okay. A lot of local interest. Yeah, that is tomorrow, Friday. That is Friday. And the Delta Mile is the second race on the card. It'll go about 3.40 Emerald Downs time. Central time is 5.45. Yeah. Yeah. Right there in the midst of the Breeders' Cup Friday action. So the Delta Mile, Katona, the one hole. Uh, Touch Upon a Star is that local horse that you mentioned by Star Guitar, 8 for 11 lifetime, big speed, 3 for 3 at Delta. Zestful, the 7 horse, 8 to 1. And 5 Star General, 9 of 10 in there. And he is 4 to 1. And this will be his Delta debut. Of course, he won at uh, Evangeline, won 100 grander there earlier this year. And uh, five-star general, our reigning Long Acres Mile hero, Roy Brewer, part owner with his wife, Tammy, along with the Griffins and the Wenzels, uh, the owners of Slew's Tiz Wiz, our defending horse of the meeting, two-time winner. And uh, Roy was just in to pick up the horse of the meeting trophy, beautiful trophy for Slew's Tiz Wiz. Yeah, I already kind of beating the drums hoping we get to see uh slews tiz whiz and five-star yes. general in the 2024 mile you can never get too far ahead in racing of course but they faced each other more than twice but in the two times they've run against each other a mile they each have a first and a third yeah. so that would kind of be fun to see uh who oh, could you... come out triumphant in uh, in a third showdown you bet uh and of course both are gonna plan on coming back in 2024 who knows, Papa's Golden Boy might be back as well. He just got some shipping sickness or just was got ill, but uh, he was on the mend and on the R&R during our 2023 meeting. All right, so five-star general in action tomorrow on Breeders' Cup Friday. Uh, boy, I'm, we're going to go over with our guest. Bill Downs, our track announcer, is going to join us, as is John White. And the big A, Anthony Stabil. John White, uh, just the great Washingtonian, great, great, great Washingtonian in the world of horse racing with his handicapping and his historical prowess and his column and uh, just uh, given us so much time over the years on our Win Place show and our Horse Racing Northwest podcast. Be good to catch up with John. Always love catching oh. up with John. Yeah, and uh, of course, he does the morning line mm. at San Diego, and he's been very busy because that morning line, you know, they drew, I think the final was at Monday, and he had those lines out and really quick on on both cards, and that means he had been doing a lot of prep work, oh. I'm sure. Knowing John, he's very thorough, so uh, he'll tell us about that extremely thorough as you are as well on the morning line we won't comment on some of these other tracks out there with their morning line our, our, our no. morning line well it's always difficult but it's nothing compared to having to do 14 horses oh. in a beer so not only that you're under the microscope and there's people on social media just waiting to hammer you if you <laughs> if you miss one and uh so uh John has, uh, you know, like you said, he's very thorough, and it'll be interesting to hear his thoughts on, I'm sure he'll have a couple picks for us probably, too. Yep. Okay. Uh, there's a holiday gift fest is back at Emerald Downs. That's going to be November 11th and 12th uh, next weekend, Saturday and Sunday, November 11th and 12th, 10 to 4, holiday gift fest uh, covering the third and fourth floors. So you can get some ideas of uh, holiday gifts here at Emerald Down. It's been a real popular event, and uh, vendors are filling up those two floors. Uh, Dancing at the Downs on Saturday, November 18th. Our next Dancing at the Downs, that's a Saturday evening function. 
Linda Ronstadt uh, tribute group and the Eagles as well. She had a big association with the Eagles early in her career. She did. One of the first Kingdom concerts, we're always dating oh. ourselves here, was uh, <laughs> the Eagles in 76. And uh, Linda Ronstadt was one of the preliminary no, acts. Yeah. And uh, yeah, she has a big history with the Eagles, as you mentioned. She has one heck of an all-time voice, yeah. Linda Ronstadt. I, I watched mean, some of her videos on YouTube. Boy, she, uh, oh. she's she got a stage presence, too. She I does. Mean, the whole package. Yes. Little gal, but boy, yeah. just fills up the arena with her voice. So uh, we'll see if her tribute singer can uh, just come even 50% close to Linda Ronstadt. But that is Saturday, November 18th. Okay. Let's take a listen to the stretch run of the 2023 Long Acres Mile. Two and a half furlongs to go in the Long Acres Mile. And it's five-star general who shrugs off a man's man. Il Bellator is on the outside. Third, Armaduro's in fourth. And it's top executive Slews Tiz Wiz is on the grandstand side with a lot of work to do. They run down to the final furlong. And it's five-star general on top by three. Il Bellator's in second. Slews Tiz Wiz down the center of the course. But with a 16th to go, it's five-star general with Joe Bravo aboard taking the Long Acres. Mile. The 23 mile, of course, went to five star general. And what a great race as he shipped in for owner Ken L. Haddaff, Grant Forster back in town, and Joe Bravo riding for the only time in Emerald Downs history and winning aboard five star general. And uh, the man who called that race, his second mile, he hasn't had to call a close finish yet in the mile, Vince. But Bill did a super job, and Bill Downs, our track announcer, joins us on Horse Racing Northwest. Bill, good hey afternoon. Hey, guys. How are you? Hey, Bill. Good, good, good. Good to have you on. Breeders' Cup week. Uh, lots and lots of stimulus, and I'm going to throw out a four-letter word right now. Help. <laughs> those, <laughs> those Friday races, Bill, uh, with all those two-year-olds and running on different distances and surfaces and oh my gosh lightly raced horses here from there uh any anyway um how about friday starting off and uh, tell us what you've been up to since the meeting ended well i uh had that uh, drive back uh from uh, washington to uh, to pittsburgh yeah and uh you know a lot of stuff going on in the house uh, in pittsburgh and i've uh, been dealing with that but that seems to be the light at the end of the tunnel. So it's, uh, uh, I, I got that together. And then uh, I'm spending the week down in Florida with a friend. And we're going to watch the Breeders' Cup. He's got a, a, a beach house. So he said, come on down. I'm like, well, let's do this. Nice. And it seems like a good spot to, uh, to watch the Breeders' Cup. So a little bit of relaxing this week. But with a lot of handicapping, uh, no doubt about it. But uh, you mentioned on Friday... Um, a couple races I thought that were interesting. Um, the seventh race, the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies Turf. Mm-hmm. Um, a filly, I'm not thrilled with her post, but I love her. Still, nonetheless, the 11, she feels pretty for Sherry DeVoe. Won the Natalma Stakes uh, from far off the pace. And it was a race that didn't get off to the greatest star in the world. And a lot of horses have come back. A lot of fillies have come back in that race to win next time out. I think it's like six or something like that. So that was wow. a power, power race. There's a lot of different directions you can go in that race. 
Uh, but uh, she feels pretty in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies turf is one that I like uh, on on Friday. Very good. Yep, I I've got uh, ten eleven in there. She's number eleven. She feels pretty. I did text Robert Geller about the Woodbine horses, and that was the first one he uh, wrote about. Uh, yeah, they're real high on her. Uh, she's two for two from Ellis Park. A little bit of a break, and then that race, as you described, the Natalma. Uh, grade one at Woodbine, she won real easily, be- defeating 12 others. So uh, Johnny Velasquez rides her back. He rode her in the Natalma. Bill Downs joining us on Horse Racing Northwest. What part of Florida are you in, Bill? Uh, we're on the, uh, the, the western part, okay. uh, so a little bit south of uh, Tampa. Very good, very good, and I'm sure the weather's good. And Yeah, weather's really nice, so... But uh, another one on, on Friday is yep. in the ninth race, the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf. And there's not a whole lot of speed in this race. So uh, the five horse, My Boy Prince, another Woodbine horse, uh, for trainer Mark Cassie, uh, winner of two of his last three races. He, he finished second in the Summer Stakes and finished behind uh, Carson's Run, who's got a pretty bad post, if I remember. Yeah, he's got the 14 post, so I don't really like Carson's run, even though he was very impressive winning the summer stakes. But before that race, um, this, uh, this uh, Colt, the uh, son of Cairo Prince, my boy Prince, had to have a shoe repair done, and he was very, very cantankerous going to the gate. So he still finished second that race, and then last time out, he was a big favorite, and he did what he needed to do. But he's got a great post, um, and there's not a whole lot of early speed, and he'll be a decent price. You get every bit of 8-1. to one. So I thought uh, he was interesting in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf Race 9 on Friday. Okay, Bill, here's the key point. How do we do? How have we done the last couple of years when we picked the same horses? Because, Vince, that is my one of my extra race picks right there. My boy Prince in the ninth, the Juvenile Turf at uh, Santa Anita on Friday. Eight to one morning line as Bill went through. Yeah, just... Uh, same thing I saw, Bill. Not a lot of speed in that race. That's an accomplished horse, three for five with two seconds. And uh, so I'm on him too, Vince. Yeah, I got a horse on Saturday that I'm going to be uh, liking because of that kind of scenario okay. where it uh, looks like it's going to have a real lively pace closing into. Okay, so a couple of Woodbine specials from Bill Downs. Uh, anything else there Friday, Bill? No, Friday, okay. that, those are the two I like the most, okay. so we can uh, turn the page uh, yeah. to uh, Saturday, since there's so much on Saturday as well. Yeah, let's do it. Um, yeah, uh, just starting with the third race is the Dirt Mile. Cody's Wish is going to be a huge favorite. Uh, take us to where you want to take us on Saturday. Well, I guess we'll just go numerically. Sure. Uh, I'll start like on the sixth race, and that's the uh, Breeders' Cup Mile. And this is This is going to be a fun, fun race. Um, you got the Japanese uh, horse, um, Songline coming in and Songline, uh, you know, the Japanese, I think it's, you know, they've won Breeders' Cup races in the past, but I think this is going to be a pretty good coming out party for, uh, the Japanese Songline, um, winner of a couple group one races earlier this year, last time out, went a little bit longer of a distance, a mile and an eighth and, and just got beat by a nose. It was kind of a prep race. He was coming off the layoff for the, for the Breeders' Cup mile. And he just got beat by a nose in that race. He's, I think, a legit favorite and somebody I don't think you can throw out at all. There is a filly in this race that I think uh, is going to be very interesting coming from a trainer who loves, who is uh, 
right up there with the best, if not the best turf trainer in the, in the United States and Chad Brown, Gina Romantica, uh, came and got, uh, in Italian who got loose on the lead in the first lady stakes, uh, a grade one race at Keeneland. And she just seems to, if she gets any sort of pace, she becomes very, very dangerous. She got that in the Keeneland race and ran down a quality Marin in Italian. And she's at 12 to one for Chad Brown. I thought that she is interesting in that race. Casa Creed has done really nothing wrong yeah. uh, so far. He's got a great post in post number three for Bill Mott, winner of his last couple of races. He ran the Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint last year. Uh, I think it's too short uh, at that class level. So I think he's better suited going the mile. So I thought both of those horses, besides the song line in the sixth race, were, uh, were were very interesting. And Vince, you can make a comment on Gina Romatica. You've got her in your stable, you and Jacob Polowitz in the Breeders' Cup Emerald Downs contest. Yeah, a little bit, uh, I think it was fourth or fifth round. No, I saw the same thing. I thought the horse stands to get a, a good trip. And uh, like Bill mentioned, from one of the best turf barns uh, on the continent, uh, looks like a very live horse at it. It's what's going to be a fair price. Let's get more from Bill Downs on Breeders' Cup Saturday. Yeah, one of the races I'm looking forward to the most, and, as, and this is every year, is the Breeders' Cup turf because the Europeans and the Japanese, I think, have got uh, some strong uh, contenders in this race. Uh, you got uh, uh, August Rodin, I believe, is the pronunciation, and also um, Mostadaf. And Mostadaf is the one I like a little bit more um, than than the, the than the other one. Um, I'm just getting my uh, my browser back over here. Yeah, Mostadaf. You know, winning the Prince of Wales and the Judmont International. I know the Judmont International is just a field of four, but uh, he kind of took the running in that race. He can he can do whatever he he needs to do. You know, he was on the front end in one race. Yes, it was a short field, but a you know a Group One race. He's also come from off the pace and looped and swooped him. He's uh you know, he's a true I think a, a distance horse. So I don't think the distance at a mile and a half is going to do. Uh, he's not going to have any problem with that. Um, you know, five to two, I think that will be the price you get on him. But, uh, I mentioned the Japanese, uh, horse. There's a horse in here, uh, Shariar, um, who last time I just threw a line through the race. If they're happy that they're coming into this race, uh, they, they know who they're taking on. So he finished 11th, beaten 20 lengths. I don't know what happened in the race. And, but you take a look at what he's done in the past. And not so long ago, he won the Dubai Shaheen Classic, Shima Classic, in, in 2022 and almost won the Japan Cup in the same year. And then lost to well, probably the best uh, turf horse in, in the world in Equinox uh, on March 25th and then had the clunker. So if you can, uh, you know, this is why you're going to get a price on him. But at 15 to 1, I think he is a very, very intriguing Shariar in the Breeders' Cup turf with uh, Mostadaf. Uh, those are the two I like the most in, in that race. Got to like to have Bill on here, Vince, because he's not afraid. He's a track announcer. He's not afraid to make those pronunciations on those horses we haven't heard of before, and they've got a little bit of foreign spellings to them. He, he rattled those right off. Yeah, and I think track announcers probably, we kind of look at a name when we're handicapping, and we don't really probably concentrate on it too much, but I imagine Bill and Robert and those guys, they phonetically look at the name yeah. a little closer than we do. But yeah, that sure sounds right. Yeah, and uh, yeah, speaking of not looking at names, when I handicap a two-year-old race, I never know the names. I'm looking at the connections and the breeding. and the I workouts. usually end up calling it the damn name or <laughs> yeah. something like that, yeah. 
Bill Downs joining us and just so much to look at on uh, the two days upcoming Breeders' Cup Friday and Saturday. And uh, yeah, the Japanese horses uh, have really come to the fore the last couple of years, especially. And so the turf is race number eight. Breeders' Cup Classic, not the greatest field this year. It looked pretty wide open. Then Archangelo scratched, and it's even more wide open. Uh, your thoughts on the Classic, Bill? Yeah, uh, I like uh, two in there, like Ushba Tesoro, the Japanese mm-hmm. horse. We'll talk about in just a second. Um, but the, the one I like the most, I think, is going to get a great trip behind the speed. I think the, the early speed is going to be Arabian Night and Saudi Crown. I'm going to try and beat both of those with a, a white abario okay. who uh, in the Metro, metropolitan mile back in the, in the early summer uh, had a trouble trip and finished behind Cody's wish. who's uh, probably the best miler on dirt in the country and white abario uh, finished a good third behind him. And then the Whitney stakes, he put it all together and that was his second start for uh, Richard Detro juniors back in the training ranks and, and White Abario are in the, are in his best race and he's been uh, laid up since that race, but he allegedly has been doing quite well. He's been at Santa Anita, uh, for a long time. So he is, uh, acclimated to the West Coast. And I, like I said, I think he gets a great trip right behind the speed and, uh, he'd be my top choice, but, uh, uh, the, the Japanese have got a couple in here. Ushba Tesoro, who won the Dubai World Cup, came back. In a race that the last race at, uh, uh, on September 27th in Japan was was basically a prep race. He, he, he outclassed the field, but he, the way he did it, it was really really strong, um, and just to show that you know he's he's still in top form off of the Dubai World Cup, and he's he's won multiple Group One races. He's uh, he he, I, he is the real deal. So uh, Ushbuk Tesoro, I think, is one that you can't ignore uh, in the Breeders' Cup Classic. Those are the two uh, I like in that race. And then the 10th race, um, the Breeders' oh, Cup Turf Sprint. I don't want to leave this one out. You know, ironically, we, we got uh, Breeders' Cup races after the Classic yes. uh, due to TV uh, issues. But uh, there's a couple in here. There's a lot of speed in this race. Uh, live in the dream is, is, uh, came to the United States and rattled off a 20 and four fifths opening quarter at Keeneland in the Woodford Stakes. There's also a Japanese horse on the outside, and uh, that one is uh, the 11, Jasper Crone. Jasper Crone is exceptionally fast. There is going to be, if they both break, and, and there's others in there who got some speed, but they are going to go 20 and two-fifths, I think, uh, for the first quarter mile. They are going to be cooking. If that's the case, there's a couple from off the pace, one that's more logical. I like the 10, Matorius, who is who has won his last couple of five furlong races, including a graded stakes race on the West Coast at Del Mar. Matorius just mowed them down in the uh, green flash stakes. I like I like his running style. And then one that I haven't heard many people like too much, but it's going to be a big price, Roses for Deborah. Took on the boys in the turf monster stakes, but that was a race that that, that turf course was completely waterlogged um at, at parks on that afternoon we're not going to have a waterlogged turf course at all uh, for for the breeders cup on saturday and you know she ever since being transferred to the clement barn she has just dusted horses left and right now we'll, we'll get to the class test but it won't be stuck way 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 far off the pace and got enough tactical speed to stay in touch and I, i'm kind of interested to see how she does and she, she's going to be a big price at 12 to 1 so uh, I wanted to make sure I got those two in as well as uh, I know I was going on there, but uh, 
I, I like those two and wanted to get that out for our podcast listeners. Very good. And, you know, Roses for Deborah is one of my extra race picks as well. And I noticed two other people have her on their extra picks. So, uh, yeah. yeah, Bill scoped her out. Yeah, she's been winning real easily. I rat Ortiz aboard as well. On and if Bill has a good day Saturday, the Vince Paulowitz team, because uh, we also yeah. have Wyda Barrow. Exactly. We got Shariar. We've got Gina Romanica. Oh, we've got Shariar. Uh, no, you don't. Oh, we got uh, Gino Romantica yeah. and White Abario. White Abario. And yeah. then uh, his other selection in the classic is was my first pick, the Japanese horse, Ushba Tesoro. So, uh, you know, there's some connections going on here. Good. We, yeah. we do our podcast together, and uh, sometimes some of those handicapping techniques rub off on each other. Bill? I uh, think so. Uh, is there, I, I didn't prep you, but is there one kind of really big long shot? You have mentioned a couple good price horses already. So, yeah, you know, that's the whole thing. It's just kind of, you know, you have to be adaptable and, uh, you know, I'll be watching every race, uh, as it's going and, and whatnot, you know, my boyfriend's on Friday, I think is interesting. That's worth a, yep. it's worth a, a win bet. And, uh, you know, just looking here, um, no, Roses for Denver you know, is 12 to 1. Yeah, you know, that's the great thing is that, you know, sometimes you just let the board show you what to, what to play and uh, we'll go from there. But uh, uh, I'll be be involved all over the place and having a good time uh, this weekend. That is great. Well, great catching up with you. And uh, as you know, five-star general in at Delta on Friday, yes. second race as well. So uh, we'll be keeping an eye on that also. Bill, have a great weekend. Always good to talk to you. We'll catch up again, and uh, and happy Thanksgiving. To Thank you, guys. Yep. Thanks, Bill. See you, Bill. Bill Downs joining us on Horse Racing Northwest. Hey, and, uh, uh, how come you didn't bring up the Packers? Oh, well, he, I'm just kidding. he was pretty happy there. You know, I didn't want to. Yeah. Bring him down too much. No, he's very realistic when it comes to that kind of stuff. He liked so. Jordan Love in the uh, preseason, but uh, that's not working out too good. Of course, you know, they lost at least two receivers from last year as well. Yeah. Uh, there might have been three. And their running game, uh, they're, you know, when you don't have a good passing attack, the running game suffers and that's suffering. And, yeah, it's it's a rough year for I don't feel sorry pack. for Packer fans. They've had a pretty good run. <laughs> yeah, they have. <laughs> Okay, we're going to take a timeout and come back with segment number two here on our Breeders' Cup edition of Horse Racing Northwest. John White's going to join us in the next. Oh, before we do, let's just go over some of the uh, Washington interests in the Breeders' Cup. Um, Mark Latt was on with us recently on the podcast, and uh, he's represented by uh, Dr. Shivel who nearly won two years ago and is coming off a nice win, Vince. He'll be in the last race yeah. on uh, Saturday, the Breeders' Cup Sprint. I believe he's 5-1 to one on the morning line and certainly has a good shot in that race. And he also trains Chitalis. That Correct pronunciation. Ju yeah, Chitalis. Uh, uh, John Chitalis, well-known here at Emerald Downs, a good friend of Ralph Baca's. I think we went over that. And his brother is who the horse is named right. after, a friend of Dan Agnew and a, a neighbor of Dan Agnew, who's the breeder and co-owner of Chitalis, who's coming off a win in the uh, Chandelier, I believe. Yeah, and uh, that will be uh, a Friday race where right. we have all the two-year-old races. Yeah, and uh, Mark, as we mentioned last time, having a sensational meet at uh, Oak Tree or yeah. Santa Anita, Autumn. So, couple for Mark Glad, and we mentioned Dan Agnew, owns Chitalis, Dave Stodiker, 
who's in with Mike Maker, the trainer, and uh, Dave has supported the Long Acres Mile like three times in the last five or six years, shipping a horse in. And Dave went to Bellevue High, played basketball, went to Shoreline JC and played basketball, was a high-end referee, built a business, and he is a very prominent North American owner now, still has uh, residents and relatives here in the Northwest. He owns the Wine Steward, who's in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. Uh, also, David Thorner, uh, he had this mare, Lily So Fair, and uh, Grand Mo, Grand Mo the First in the Juvenile Turf uh, is out of Lily So Fair. David Thorner on the WTBOA board and a prominent owner and breeder in Washington for so many years. Wesley Ward trains Nakatoni and also Twilight Gleaming. So there's some Washington interests in the Breeders' Cup. And again, gates open 8.30 a.m. on Friday, 8 a.m. on Saturday. First come, first served up on the fifth floor. We'll take a break, come back with John White on Horse Racing Northwest. It doesn't matter if you love craps, blackjack, machines, or dining on the finest Asian, American, and Salish cuisines. It doesn't matter what you do or where you're coming from. What you do is all at Muckleshoot. An easy drive from wherever you are. All roads lead to Muckleshoot. Now they have a quarter to home. It's Skywalker holding the lead by three quarters on the outside. Zulu is has second by three. Then bedside promise. Then shrapnel along the rail. Polynesian fire in mid-track. Skywalker holds the lead. Bedside promise is closing ground. Skywalker, bedside promise will drive on the outside. It's Skywalker. Bedside promise, they're neck and neck. Bedside promise, Skywalker. Skywalker, bedside promise. Skywalker won that 1986 Long Acres Mile. Lafitte Pinkai Jr. aboard for Michael Whittingham. Pinkai rode the mile three times, won two of those. And Skywalker, one of the greatest horses ever to compete in the Pacific Northwest. And one of the reasons why, he won the Breeders' Cup Classic later that year at Santa Anita. And John White knows the Skywalker story well. Vince, that's just a, a cliche because he knows every racing story well. And John joins us on our Breeders' Cup podcast. John, good afternoon. Great to have you on. Great to be with you guys as we uh, are on the brink of the 2023 Breeders' Cup. Of course, I was there for the very first one with the daily racing form in the press box at Hollywood Park, sitting next to the legendary turf writer, Joe Hirsch. At that time, I was a reporter for the racing form and a columnist. And, of course, Joe Hirsch was the executive columnist, very famous in racing. It was so weird that day, guys, mm. because... And look, the Breeders' Cup was such a revolutionary uh, development in racing that People really wondered whether it would succeed. And it was just so weird sitting at 11 o'clock in the morning to watch a million-dollar horse race in 1984. Uh, I mean, and think of what a million dollars from 1984 would be worth today. And Chiefs Crown winning the race under Donald McBeth. And how about this, Joe and Vince? 
the winning jockey for the first Breeders' Cup race ever run, I saw ride at Playfair Racecourse in 1968 as an apprentice, Donald McBeth. No kidding. That That's one I don't think I heard before, but uh, that is a good one. And yeah, that first Breeders' Cup, uh, I remember when I first heard of the Breeders' Cup, and it was from Scott Ellingson, who worked at Long Acres and had the job that I later got, making over 100 calls a day to radio stations. And uh, I was visiting Long Acres, it, uh, I think it was the year before, 83? It was 1982. Two, okay. And I remember they did a, they kind of did a, they stormed the nation a little bit on a publicity tour. I think it was, uh, was it John, was it John Gaines? Yeah, uh, who founded it? Yep. And uh, he that's was, right. He John, was, yes, indeed, the bre- the breeder John Gaines. That's correct. And I was working at, at a paper, the Everett Herald, and they knew I knew a little bit about race thing, and they said, "Hey, do you want to go to this thing downtown?" And and I said, "Absolutely." <laughs> and there wasn't that many there, but it was. Yeah, I met I met him, and they talked about the concept. And as you mentioned, John, it was a million dollar race. You know, there's still a big deal, of course, but back then, boy, there was just, you, know, you had your Arlington Million, maybe, and I can't think that, you know, the Kentucky Derby was, what, 300000 yeah. or something. So, I mean, and then to have, uh, uh, what was it, six of them or seven of them seven. on one card was was unbelievable. Yeah. And John was there for the first one. Uh, exa- well, and that was... And, and that was capped by the $3 million classic, mm-hmm. which $3 million at that time was absolutely astronomical. Mm-hmm. It made it the richest race in the world because that was well before we had Dubai World Cups and Saudi Cups and races like that. So that was a huge, huge deal. But again, getting back to that winning jockey in the very first Breeders' Cup race of all time, Donald McBeth, I mean, I saw him ride against Richard Wright Dan Castle, Frank Inda, <laughs> guys like that at Playfair in 1968. So how about that? He would go on for riding at Playfair at that fall meeting and end up winning on Chief's Crown. Wow. Yeah. And uh, that is going back in history. Don McBeth winning the first Breeders' Cup race and, of course, uh, being uh, getting injured later and uh, having that uh, fundraising effort in his name, which has been fantastic as well for jockeys throughout uh, the history since then. John is joining us. It's another Breeders' Cup week. John's made the morning line, and I'll just do it quickly, but you know, one of John's career highlights certainly is the 2009 Breeders' Cup. I think that was your first morning line, John, or was it your second? Uh, anyway, he made Zenyatta 5-2, to two against the boys she'd never run against the boys she'd never run a mile and a quarter and john made her at five to two and uh andrew byer for one who of course is so respected for good reason in this industry he just scoffed and laughed and uh, well in in print he called it preposterous was the word the adjective i think he used to describe it and i think joe you asked john if he's he'd ever reached out and said yeah. boy i kind of got that one wrong i kind of owe you a little apology i guess and we like you said joe we all admire andrew byer terrific writer yeah. and a great asset for many decades but but you kind of got andy that time there john yeah and uh, what did zenyatta pay when she won the race and one of the great moments in racing history really uh coming from so far off the pace uh just anybody that was there that day which i wasn't unfortunately but uh she won and she paid seven dollars and no cents to win right at five to two john 
that that is a great story in on your resume. Congratulations. Yeah, that was the first of eight uh, breeder's cup okay. boarding lines that I've made. Uh, seven of them at Santa Anita and the most recent one at Del Mar. I was on the HRTV set alongside Joanne Jones, and uh, our coverage ended on HRTV about, uh, well, 15 minutes before that race was run. So I was able to get off the set. Our set was uh, in the walking ring there at Santa Anita. Mm -hmm. And I walked through the grandstand and was standing near the 16th pool when that race was run. The other thing is when I was on the set I w and we switched over to the Breeders' Cup Classic from the race before, my eyes were glued to the monitor to see what the opening odds would sure. be on Zenyatta because sure. of this, you know, first of all, to make the morning line on such an important race. But again, there had been detractors uh, and critics, although anytime you make a morning line, there's detractors and critics. <laughs> Believe me, you feel like a punching bag. and especially at the higher level. And uh, so I was very, very, very cognizant. I wanted to see exactly which he would open up with at, you know, would she open up at like six to one or something, or would she be even money? Who knew? And she opened up at five to two and didn't, but, and how often do you see that? Yeah. Believe me, it's like 30, 30, 40 minutes before the race and her odds never changed on the board wow. never did i mean <laughs> i don't ever remember seeing that ever in my life and look i talked about being a playfair in 1968 i still have my first racing form i bought at long anchors in 1966 it's pretty uh, old and tattered and yellowed but wow. i still have it. it cost me 50 cents and uh i also am uh, just about to co completing having worked in the horse racing industry for 50 years because I started at Playfair in 1974 and we're about to turn the calendar over to 2024. And so that'll mean that, that uh, I'll be going on to my 51st year and yeah. uh, being as a, you know, employed in horse racing. Yeah, that is fantastic right there. And uh, I'm just bringing up Andrew Beyer again, but as John tells the story, she opened at five to two and never moved. He had to be just staring a hole through that too, because he publicly criticized that morning line. Come on, go up to three to one or go down to two to do something, move somewhere. And and, and, the, and the odds never moved. Well, and nowadays too, and I know you know this, John. You when you do the morning line and you see something a little out of whack off your morning line uh, when the odds first change, you can kind of look at those will pays and say, well, this is going to change because it's just someone made a big bet here and it's going to balance out. But in a case like that, I don't think we were able to kind of peek ahead and see what the will pays would be on all those things. Um, so it was, you were kind of just at the mercy of just staring at that number. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it, and it didn't. Well, it's, 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 and certainly I was staring at it and, uh, I'm glad Vince that you have the, I'm glad Vince, you have the memory to remember the, the word preposterous. I'd forgotten that. And that's, that's the exact word that, that Andy Byer, that, how do you feel like when you're making a morning line on such a important race and someone of the stature yeah. of Andy Byer, who of course is the author of the very popular, uh, and I certainly use them myself, Byer speed figures, 
is saying what you did is preposterous. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was uh, that was a, a excellent moment. I was I was really proud of you then. And uh, yeah, his first morning line. Vince uh, made a. I just just segue not too far off. Vince, your morning line on the Longacres Mile this year was fantastic. It was really close, yeah. yeah. And and as I said, John, earlier in the show, there's people out there in social media that are just uh, these days are kind of waiting to uh, <laughs> let you have it when uh, when you air, which is inevitable when you do a morning line. John, uh, how about a couple of uh, stories that you're following closely for this year's Breeders' Cup? Well... One would be uh, the filly the that I made the shortest priced morning line favorite, that's Tamara, mm-hmm. trained by the great Richard Mandela, who, of course, won the Long Acres Mile with Bad and Big. And uh, this is a filly that has generated a lot of excitement, a lot of hype. And yet, it's rather interesting, guys. The clockers here that I, that I respect, like Gary Young's and uh, Andy Harrington's and Toby Terrell's, they're not raving about the way she's uh, training coming up to this race. So that's a little bit uh, interesting because if you just go off her two races and you go off her breeding, she's by Bolta Oro, who I was a big fan of. Uh, I claimed him in my fantasy league off his debut win, and he would go on to win the Del Mar Paturity and the... Uh, at the time, the front runner stakes, which is now the uh, American Pharaoh stakes, and uh, he was a heavy favorite in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile and did get beat. Uh, he would have won a Santa Anita Derby if not for a colt by the name of Justify, oh. who, of course, Justify was undefeated, not only won the Santa Anita Derby, but swept the Triple Crown, emulating the great Seattle Flu to be. Uh, a three-year-old that with an undefeated record to sweep the triple crown. So, um, but then the dam is the great beholder who is a three-time breeders cup winner and a four-time eclipse award winner was inducted into the hall of fame last year. And the beholder got off to a slow start as a broodmare. And quite frankly, many of the uh, real top race mares, you know, or top fillies don't turn into be top producers um for instance turn to fire who won the 1972 fashion handicap at long acres was my first hundred dollar bet and she won by a nose in the last jump edging uh, fleet ahead and that was larry pierce aboard turn to fire um that was a case of turn to fire was a real runner and uh yet she really wasn't much as a producer and that's Fairly common, even at the higher level than that. And, uh, for instance, Inyada, you know, hasn't yep. turned out to be a real uh, successful broodmare. Uh, Rachel Alexander, the same thing. So sure. to see Beholder, her first three foals were disappointing, but then she got a stakes winner in Teen Ella, and now she's got Tamara, who looks like she could be anything. And uh, Richard Mandela, I mean, is one of the greatest trainers of all time. I think Charlie Whittingham is the greatest trainer of all time. But believe me, Richard Mandela is a member of that club. Uh, When we think back uh, to Richard Mandela in 2003 at Santa Anita, when the Breeders' Cup was a one-day event and consisted of eight races, not the 14-race, two-day event we have now, he won half of the Breeders' Cup races that day. That's how great Richard Mandela is. 
so it's kind of like in Mandela I trust, why right? even though some of the clockers are not really uh, giving the thumbs up on the way she's training into the race, I'm going to stick with Richard Mandela. And then you have Mike Smith, who has ridden the likes of Zenyatta and Sky Beauty and one of my all-time favorites, Inside Information, who Inside Information uh, holds the record for the biggest winning margin in the history of the Breeders' Cup, 13 and a half lengths. Mm-hmm. And to show you how great she was, she got a 119 buyer speed figure when she won that Breeders' Cup race. On that same Breeders' Cup card, the great Cigar got a 117. Wow. So Inside Information got a higher buyer than even Cigar that day. And yet nobody even hardly talks about inside information as great as she was anymore. But she was one of my all-time favorites, and I think she definitely was one of the all-time greats. And Mike Smith has really, you know, he's not a guy that just tosses around superlatives uh, all the time. And he has raved about this, Billy. And that means a lot to me, the fact that Mike doesn't typically talk up someone like he is this Billy. And, boy, her first race was impressive. She stumbled and veered to the left and still won. And then her Del Mar debutante was absolutely jaw-dropping. I mean, the way she powered home, if you go back and watch the video, you know, this will be her first race around two turns, the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies. But when you watch the gallop out in that Del Mar debutante, I mean, she was a block ahead of those on the gallop out. So... I think she's the most probable winner of the Breeders' Cup this year, even though she's being asked to go a mile on the 16th for the first time in her life. But this is a special filly, I think. And, uh, you know, I'm hoping for our sport, too, because we've certainly had the ups and downs, the highs and lows, even coming into this Breeders' Cup. We've had a number of defections, and uh, I think it would be a shot in the arm for racing if we could get uh, the looks of maybe a superstar, I'd love to see Tamara win it, win it big, just to kind of lift the spirits of everybody. Yep, that uh, the racing does need stars returning from one year to the next. That's for sure. Uh, this doesn't happen as much as it used to. So Tamara by Boltoro out of Beholder, and uh, just to before we get off Tamara. Uh, dams that haven't reproduced themselves very well. Fire Sweeper, the all-time leading stakes winner at Long Acres, along with Captain Condo, she was not a spectacular broodmare, and uh, Jerry Paxson gave her a few chances with some good studs. Stop Shopping Debbie hasn't really and lit she, up. Uh, yeah. Um, well, and Fire Sweeper uh, by Drumfire, I mean, I, I kind of am surprised as a daughter of Drumfire, that she wouldn't have done better as Brumaire. But yeah, that's a great point, Joe, in terms of her. And, uh, you know, it just it's amazing how many of these really outstanding fillies uh, just haven't panned out in terms of uh, in the breeding shed. Yep. And one more from the Emerald Downs era, Fleet Pacific. Wow. She was fast and game as the day is long. Won nine stakes here. And uh, she just just didn't do anything with uh, seven, six or seven foals as well. So some of those great race mares uh, have hard time uh, reproducing themselves. Uh, John, all of John's picks I'll tell are, you what, I, I, are available at expressbet.com. Go ahead. 
one of the exceptions to that is Serena's song. Okay. Who was really, uh, you know, a terrific uh, filly on the track, but she turned out to be a very good broodmare. And uh, uh, Personal Ensign is another one yeah. of those exceptions yeah. to the rule. I mean, she never lost. She was undefeated, ran one of the greatest Breeders' Cup races ever to uh, just get up an edge Kentucky Derby winner, winning colors right at the wire, and retire undefeated did Personal Ensign. But boy, she was a fantastic broodmare, and a lot of her uh, fillies turned out to be very successful uh, in terms of what they produced as well. Yep, that's true. And I, I just uh, thrown in there, you can get all John's picks at expressbet.com, his Breeders' Cup selection. Uh, so keep that in mind. And uh, how about another story for the weekend, John? Well, I think a very interesting uh, youngster is running in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf Sprint. And that is a colt who I made the lukewarm 3-1 to morning line favorite. But in a big field, 3-1 to isn't all that lukewarm, quite frankly. But uh, this is Big Evs. And Big Evs did something that you just don't see in the United States. Uh, he's, he's coming in from England. And in his uh, race in, in late August, he ran in a Group 1 race going five furlongs on the turf. That race was for two-year-olds and up. The winner of that race, living the dream, I made the 9-2 to morning line favorite in this year's Breeders' Cup turf sprint. The runner-up in that race uh, was Highfield Princess, who is regarded as one of the top grass sprinters in Europe in recent years. And they're older runners. Uh, so Big Evs, yes, you look and you say, well, he finished 14th in that race. Well, that is true. But he was 5-1 to one against Living the Dream, <laughs> yeah. who went to Keeneland and just ran fractions that are j just – Scorching, 20 and change, and and uh, he's going to be very tough to beat in the uh, juvenile, not the juvenile turf sprint, but the turf sprint for older runners. So I find that very interesting. How? When do you see two-year-olds yeah. go against their olders like that? So And off of that loss, Big Ebbs came back against two-year-olds and was a dominant winner at Doncaster in England. So... I think that's an interesting storyline we have, too. And, John, isn't Big Evs, that, is that Charles Appleby, who has uh, uh, been so terrific in the Breeders' Cup the last several years? Actually, Michael Appleby. This okay, is Michael, Michael Appleby. Appleby. Is that a brother? You know, I'm not sure on that. Uh, you know, uh, it's a good question. But considering the success Charlie Appleby has had, any kind of apathy, I guess we got to keep an eye on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good point. Okay, well, John, and we'll... then we also should we also should we also should talk about the classic, of course, and yep. that's a very fascinating race this year. We don't have Flightline or anything like it. You know, Flightline last year, one of the great thoroughbreds we've seen, you know, of all time, really, quite frankly, uh, and. Won the Breeders' Cup Classic by a record eight and a half lengths to complete his undefeated career. Of course, his performance in the 
Pacific Classic at Del Mar was very secretariat-like, you know, winning by such a huge money. He won by just an absolute city block that day. And uh, now, and one reason I'm picking White Barrio to win the Classic is the fact that I pay a lot of attention to thoroughgraph numbers. And with thoroughgraph, the lower the number, the better. And when we saw Flightline win the uh, Pacific Classic, he got a negative eight and a half Jeez. thoroughgraph number. And that is the greatest thoroughgraph number of all time. No horse in the history of the thoroughgraph has ever gotten a number as good as that. And what did Flightline get in the Breeders' Cup Classic, which he won next time out, as I said, by the biggest margin in the history of the Breeders' Cup Classic, eight and a half lengths, he got a six. Well, why to Barrio, when he won the Whitney, his thoroughbred number was a negative six. So to match the negative six of Flightline in the Classic last year. So that shows you just how marvelous why to Barrio ran that day. Now, he also got a 110 buyer in that Whitney, and that's the highest buyer by anybody in the Classic. Now, I made Arabian Night the favorite. And he's been the favorite in all of his starts so far. And he's trained sensationally up to this race. I talked about how the clockers have not, you know, they've been rather cool toward Tamara. They're red hot as far as how they feel that the Arabian Knight is trained into this race. When you get Bob Baffert with a horse training like this, uh, I mean, it's usually lights out. Bob Baffert's one four classics, all with three-year-olds, and he might make it five. It wouldn't be surprising at all. But there's a couple of concerns I have for Arabian Night. Number one is the only time he lost was when he didn't get the early lead. And with Saudi Crown in the race, it's no cinch that Arabian Night's going to get the early lead. So that he's going to, you know, he could get into a pace battle, with Saudi Crown, or he might have to rate off Saudi Crown, or he might have to use himself quite a bit to get the early lead from Saudi Crown. So that pace situation is a, a bit of a concern for Arabian Night. The other thing about Arabian Night is, you look at his last three speed figures, whether you're using the buyer speed figures or the thoroughbred. Why do Barrio's speed figures are better than Arabian Nights in all three of their last starts. Hmm. Not just the last start in the Whitney, and uh, as far as Arabian Night, the Pacific Classic, but all, all three of their last starts. So to me, to take the price that Arabian Nights going to be, which is likely to be the favorite, and you're going to get a better price on White of Barrio, uh, to me, this is the situation where I would take my chances with White Barrio. So he's my top pick. My second pick is Ushba Tesoro. Uh, I mean, he you talk about a reversal in form. It so, very much brings to mind Cigar. Yeah. When Cigar was losing races on the turf and Bill Mott switched him to the dirt, he had run on the dirt early in his life, but then he ran in several turf races, which was understandable. He was by Palace Music, who was a grass star. And uh, the thing about uh, uh, 
what the uh, situation there is that uh, Ushba Tesoro, when they put him on the dirt, he's turned into a complete wind machine. Yeah. And, I, you know, Japan used to be a laughing stock when they came to the United States. I've been to two Japan Cups. The first one, Long Acres uh, riding great, Gary Stevens won it. Uh, on Golden Pheasant for trainer Charlie Winningham. That was my first Japan Cup. And uh, my second Japan Cup, the most recent one, was uh, won by a filly called Gentle Donna by a nose over Old Far. That's the sire of uh, Ushba Tsuro hmm. here. Okay. So think of that. Yeah. And, I mean, these Japanese horses have really been doing so well all over the globe, in France, in Saudi Arabia, in Dubai. And even here in the United States, so when we had the Breeders' Cup at Del Mar a couple of years ago, they won a couple of them, yep. including a huge long shot in in uh, the distance. So um, I, he's really, except for his uh, kind of winging at the gate the other morning, which he did better in his next visit to the gate, uh, Ushba Tesoro has made an absolute beautiful appearance here at Santa Anita. And then I'm going to go for Arabian Night third. But it's a very intriguing race uh, this year. It's certainly wide open, actually. Uh, quite the difference than last year when Flightline went off as the 2-5 to five favorite and won. And he became the low, lowest-priced favorite to ever win the Classic, breaking the record of Easygoer, who was 1-2 to two as the favorite uh, when he lost the Sunday silence. So... Uh, Flightline went off as the lowest price favorite in the Breeders' Cup Classic ever and won, got the job done, unlike Easy Gore when he was 1-2 to two in 1989. Okay, well, uh, yeah, the three-year-olds look to have the older horses over a barrel uh, maybe a couple months ago with, of course, Forte and Archangelo and even Kentucky Derby winner Mage still in the picture and uh, none of those horses are in the Breeders' Cup Classic. Arabian Night uh, holding up the end for the three-year-olds this year. But uh, John goes with White Abario, who uh, has had quite the rivalry with Zandon. I see they've outrun each other a couple of times each. And Zandon at 12-1, to 1, not a win machine, but is coming off a victory in the Woodward at Aqueduct uh, Anyway, uh, Ushba Tazaro, that's my pick. By the way, John, Arabian Night was the first overall pick in our Breeders' Cup contest. CJ's got him. And uh, Ushba Tesoro went at the end of the first round. And then uh, Vincent Jacob. Wow, went. that late? Yeah, 11th pick. I got him with 11th pick. And then uh, Vince and Jacob got White Barrio fairly late in the second round. So I think uh, they're... they're they're feeling pretty good about that. Okay, well, John, uh, another big weekend of horse racing down in your backyard. Uh, the great race place is Santa Anita. And, uh, again, your column available at expressbet.com with all your selections and uh, just a number of great columns leading up to the Breeders' Cup as well. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. And I don't know if you're probably aware you're – you don't miss out too much, but our Long Acres Mile winner, five-star general, is in action at Delta Downs tomorrow in the Delta Mile for Ken L. Haddock, trainer Grant Forster. So we'll be keeping an eye on that as well. It's, they'd love to keep him at a high level and 
and make a return to the Pacific Northwest next August uh, to defend his mile crown against the likes of Slews Tizwiz, possibly, and uh, whoever else might be around in August of 2024. But uh, thanks so much, John. Always just uh, fantastic to have you on. Well, thanks a lot, guys. Uh, of course, my heart uh, just uh, will always be in the Pacific Northwest. And I'm glad you mentioned that, Joe. That slipped through the cracks. I didn't know that about Five Star General. And, of course, I loved him in the Long Acres Mile yeah. this year. And I bet on him in the Long Acres Mile this year. And so I will be uh, absolutely seeing how he fares. I'll be pulling for him. And I might even put a few dollars on him in that race as well because he owes me nothing. Nope after uh, getting the job done uh, as nicely as he did in this year's edition of the biggest race in the Pacific Northwest. And look, as I mentioned, I've been to the Japan Cup. I, I've also been to the Melbourne Cup. I've been to the Arc in France. Wow. Uh, you know, I've been to the Kentucky Derby. What's I've been, you know, of course, to the big races here in Southern California, the Santa Anita Handicap, and, of course, Breeders' Cup races galore. But what is my favorite race? It is the Long Acres Mile. Ah, that's a great point to end on. John, thanks so much, and uh, we'll speak with you soon. John White. Thanks a lot, guys. Yeah, thanks, John. John joining us on Horse Racing Northwest, the mile, and boy, he has been around the block in the world of thoroughbred racing. And uh, what did uh, Five Star General paid either like 660 or 680 this year or something like that. Maybe uh, maybe a little lower than that because yeah, there was, was another two to one in there. Yeah, Slews to his, they both yeah. went off at two to one. Yeah. And Slews, uh, I think he paid six bucks right on yeah, the okay. dot or 620, yeah. one of the two. All right. Okay. Well, great to have John on. And uh, talking about great Breeders' Cup moments, I've gone over the uh, personal Ensign story and uh, Sunday Silence Easy Goer. I was there for those. Those were tremendous. Uh, a couple others, Breeders' Cup highlights for me go back a few years. The 87 Classic, of course, with uh, Ferdinand over Ali Sheba with Judge Angelucci, that year's Long Acres Mile winner, right in there until the very end. He finished third. That was a tremendous day at Hollywood Park. Vince was there for that. And the 01 turf at Belmont Park, I was uh, at that race. And uh, the favorite won it. But, you know, turf racing, just a little different than dirt racing. The riders save horse. They tend to be pretty close the field at the quarter pole. And you make your move at that point. Um and boy, did Fantastic Light make a move that year. That was just awesome. As he was between horses and DeTori said, let's go. And what a stride he got into. I mean, it was just, wow, look at this horse. And he opened up this horse by the name of Milan, made a great run at him to close the gap near the wire. But Fantastic Light won as the favorite course record at Belmont Park on the grass that day 224 and 1 that was uh that was a pretty memorable moment for me how about you Vince well John mentioned Richard Mandela in 2003 uh, but Richard Mandela in 1993 yeah he also had a big day that was a, a probably my favorite Breeders Cup for a lot of reasons uh one well he mentioned being by joe hirsch in uh, 84 what a coincidence in 93 joe hirsch had a parkinson's disease and he wanted to be away from the din of the outside press box mm. so we made room for him he actually used my desk in the publicity area so i stood behind there with mark kaufman most of the day 
and uh, keeping company with Joe Hirsch, who was watching it. And uh, I particularly remember the distaff when Hollywood Wildcat and Posiana hooked up an epic, and Eddie D blew the riding crop inside the 16th pole, still got her home, and uh, beat Posiana in a real, real thriller. And then, of course, Mandela had four wins that day. Uh, including uh, phone chatter for uh, Herman Sarkowski and the Juvenile Phillies, and then Horse of the Year, Kodashan, uh, beating uh, ah. BNBN and the Turf was a great race. And then he won two on the undercard with uh, Ledger Cat, who was uh, a real dark black horse who had little white dots on him, a real distinctive-looking South American horse. And then Memo, who ended up being a nice California-bred sire, won a seven-furlong stakes race. And that was a real... Real fun day, and that came right on the heels of all the fires we had had in the mountains. And a uh, Breeders' Cup had been up in the air, touch and go. They ended up running it under just brilliant uh, sunshine, and uh, that one stood out to me for a lot of great reasons. Yeah, I saw you earlier in the week, and you, uh, the one horse you gave me was Memo, and uh, he uh, he was like twelve or thirteen to one, and he just absolutely dominated that race. He yeah. broke well. And- it was seven furlongs, where I think okay. he ended up being un- just almost untouchable at that oh. distance. It just hit him right between the yeah. eyes, and uh, yeah, right. and he, he ended up being a real, real solid California bred you sire bet. for many years too. Yeah. Okay. There's some Breeders' Cup memories from us. We're going to take a break, come back with the big A. Anthony Stabil on our Breeders' Cup show here on Horse Racing Northwest. It doesn't matter if you love craps, blackjack, machines, or dining on the finest Asian, American, and Salish cuisines. It doesn't matter what you do or where you're coming from. What you do is all at Muckleshoot. An easy drive from wherever you are. All roads lead to Muckleshoot. Horse Racing Northwest, our third and final segment on our Breeders' Cup edition podcast. And uh, a traditional guest, Breeders' Cup time, whether it was the win play show which he earned a uh, real strong following because of giving winners out here to our Northwest fans and Horse Racing Northwest. It's our good friend from the Northeast, New York, the big A, Anthony Stabil. A, good to have you on, man. Gentlemen, how we doing? Happy Breeders' Cup. Yeah. Hi, Anthony. Same to you, man. And uh, just watching naira tv the last couple of months uh not quite as interesting for me and i'm sure i'm not alone on that since you haven't been on those telecasts uh anthony and uh, yeah i miss you man what's happening i miss you guys too and i appreciate those words uh everything's good um that sentiment is being shared by by many people, by the way. Yeah. Not to toot my own horn. I but, saw it on Twitter um, today all over the place, Anthony. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah. Um, up at Yonkers, had a little, had some health issues the last three months, but looks like we are, uh, we're over the hill there and uh, we're on the right side of the mountain. So, um, going to get back into the swing at Yonkers Raceway, calling the races up there, doing some more handicapping for them as well. And uh, I got a couple of other irons in the fire. But, yeah, um, I was talking to Joe before we started uh, tonight. This is the first year. I believe the 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 advance the, the, used to come out in nine, the first year it came out, it was in 93. Hmm. 
and it's the first year I have not had the advance. I have not done an insane amount of work either personally or professionally between the New York Post, VegasInsider.com, being over at Naira, yeah. New York City, OTB, now defunct. Um, it's the first year I haven't done any work, and it's been uh, it's, it's, it's just weird. It's very, very weird. Usually the table I'm sitting at right now talking to you guys is covered in paper. Yeah. Well, by now it's usually done, and it's just... Uh, doing the podcasts and the interviews. But oddly enough, the only man that called this year was Joe Withy, and he's been the only one that called many a times when I didn't have a calling card, and I will, uh, I'll always be thankful for him and, and, and for, for to you, Joe, and for what you do and the relationship we've had. for with, I, Amazing. I was talking to my mom and dad about this yesterday, my mom, Phyllis, and my dad, Peter, here right now. 20 years. Yeah. Sinister G was 20 years Sinister ago. Sinister G. And in March 20th, my friend Dan and Heather's <laughs> wedding anniversary, I was talking to you from a <laughs> used car lot getting an airbag fixed. That doesn't sound too shady, does it? Um, <laughs> but I was talking to you from a used car lot getting an airbag fixed. And yep. gave Sinister G and Shakespeare and the Caltech at uh, Gulfstream, they don't even run it anymore. I think they ran it for like three years, and it's been uh, it's been ching ever since, Joe. No kidding. Yeah, and I've told the story many times. Bruno Zaluble, who yep. is our director of media relations, went to Naira and worked, and he turned me on to quite a few guests. And he go, "Hey, man, you ought to get this guy. He's young, but he's you know he's real opinionated, and he's got the New York accent, and he, he knows his stuff." And I said, "Yeah, sounds good." So. We had Anthony on, and uh, the Big A gave out Sinister G at 17 to 1, and uh, the rest is history. Um, you know, Vince just mentioned uh, Twitter today, you're getting mentioned, and boy, I hear your name on the fifth floor, or over the years, I certainly have a whole bunch, and wow, Anthony Stavill gave out that horse, you know. He knows California, too, just, you know, as good as he knows New York, but... Uh, yeah, you just, uh, hey, you're opinionated. You know, I still, I, I listened back to that one show when you went over all those New York jockeys a couple years ago and you had an opinion on all of them and there's so many good ones, but, uh, you know, stuff like that. But mostly giving out Belmont Stakes winners and just winners and um, you do it in a convicted fashion. And and I cer certainly hope your your health issues, as you said, are on the right side of things. That is great. Um and uh, we'll just talk a little Breeders' Cup here because uh, I mentioned to you on a text that uh, Friday uh, everybody needs a little help. Uh, there's certainly going to be a lot of prices on the board that look somewhat live. Do you uh, have you singled anybody out on some of those Friday juvenile races? So I was given the task by you, sir, of talking about the turf races, mm. and I'm kind of glad. I'm kind of glad. Um, I, I think especially with the Euro presence, it helps to have um, more than one set of eyes on the PPs. I'm, as opinionated as I am, I'll look to, I'll talk to a, a few friends who have a good opinions, in my opinion, mm -hmm. um, and, and talk about these races. So the first juvenile turf race is the sprint. It goes as race five. It's the first Breeders' Cup race. Um, it's the, it starts to pick five for the day as well. Historically, and I know that, you know, saying that after just a few runnings, we have the edge here. The Americans have the edge here because this is what we do. We sprint. They go long over in Europe and we sprint. 
Um, it's the reason I believe we've had uh, as a contingency so many as a contingent so many wins over in Europe, led by Wesley Ward, who's up to about 14 now at Royal Ascot, because we're ready. They're ready to go fast early, and the Euros just aren't. I think that was a great, uh, you know, crimson advocate, the way you kick things off, the Philly running against the boys. The number one for George Weaver, who has a strong hand in this uh, yeah. juvenile turf sprint. She's, she's two for two on the grass. She won that Queen Mary over there, paid 20 bucks. She beat a field of 26. Um, you know, she was ready to roll. She was, she was ready to roll. And the, the Euros now, they catch up at six months since Royal Ascot, five months. But I still feel like sprinting, we have such a huge edge here. So I lean with the Americans. I'll lean with the one Crimson Advocate. I'll lean with the two no-name Mets, not just because I'm a diehard orange <laughs> and blue fan. Um, he ran against the boys over there. And he didn't uh, he he didn't kick like they would have hoped. He's probably a little slower than his female counterpart in the barn as well. But I think you know with the draw with a rad and the way Weaver's going this year, you have to respect him. So ones and twos. Um, and I, I thought if you were going to look at one of the Euros, I thought the eight cherry blossom, the Philly Faden O'Brien. And Ryan Moore thought she was a little interesting. Uh, Porta Fortuna was one of the better sprinters over there. I thought she raced well enough behind her, um, and we'll see what she can do. She's going to be a little bit of a price too. If you if, if you're going to use a euro, I think in these sprints, you got to try and use a price. So one two and a little eight for me to kick off the uh, card. Okay, one and two are four to one. Cherry Blossom's twelve to one. All right, next. So next we skip. I like the hopscotch turf, dirt, turf, dirt. We go to the juvenile Phillies turf. Mm-hmm. And now is where the Euros start to get a little interesting. That Porta Fortuna we were just talking about, she's going to try this distance instead of the sprint. She's also going to run around a turn for the first time. All of her races have been around straightaway. This is, these are things I pay attention to with the Euros. Yeah. She's going to catch a turn in a big field on a tighter course than she's ever been on. And again, you know, she's not going to catch one turn. She's going to catch two turns. Mm-hmm. So two turns in a crowd as opposed to on the six furlong straightaways. Heck, they even have one mile straightaway races. So, you know, they're used to not being so cozy uh, and used to having some room. You know, they, they don't have to run in uh, – and they race in first class over there. They don't necessarily need to be in coach. Um, they can spread out, and I think that plays an edge. With that said, I think there's a lot of wage and go in here, but I think the interesting Euro in here is Aiden O'Brien and Ryan Morgan, and it's the number five content. Um, she's raced six times already. She has two wins. Last time out, she won in her first start going a mile. Uh, and that was on a straightaway mile. But she's run around turns. And if you take her last race away and just look at her form overall as a full body of work, her better races are around turns. She's been seven eighths. She never went six or five. It's always been seven, 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 seven. And they hit her with a mile at the Curra last time. She handled that very easily. She's got a nice draw. She's got an immaculate pedigree being by Galileo. 
and she's going to be a big price. I would rather take her at twice the price of the six Porta Fortuna, having you know answered the distance question, answered the the turns question. So I think it's important to look for some value even when it comes to the Euros. Do I think she's going to be 15-1? to 1? Absolutely not. And, and with a horse like Hard to Justify from Chad Brown and eleven and the 11, the number 12 Hard to Justify, the 11, she feels pretty for Cherie DeVoe. They're probably the two more potent Americans, but they're saddled all the way out there in 11 and 12. That's a tough road to hoe. I would imagine this filly will come down to 8 or 9 to 1, but I still think she's the good. So I, I like content. She'll be a win bet for me. I'll spread in the race. I'll use a little Porta Fortuna. Um, that's the number six. I'll use Buchu, the American who's drawn best. And she comes from Phil Bauer, who's having a great year, winning at 25-26%. She's run well uh, over two of her three grass races. She had no chance at Saratoga. She got into a ton of trouble at Saratoga. Hmm. And she won at Churchill. She galloped in the Jesuit yeah. at Keeneland. And she's overcome a bad post. She won from that Jessamine from post ten. Now she's post two. You know, if she got uh, if she can get a little uh, find a little room early uh, and, and find a little bit of a spot, I think she might be okay. So um, content for me. Use a little six Porta Fortuna. Use a little three Buchu, um, and maybe even a little nine Carla's way, Carla's way for Simon Christopher. Okay, some good good prices there. And then the ninth race on Friday is the Juvenile Turf, going a flat mile again. Another, of course, big field. We did scratch number 11, Liam's Journey, so it's 10 in there, eh? So I got to go to my man at one point, my favorite rider of all time, Joel Rosario, on the show. Um, it, would, it wouldn't be, a, it wouldn't be a, <laughs> a big A visit if I didn't uh, go to him. Take a look at my boy Prince, the number five, from Mark Cassie, who has a strong hand in here as well. I'm going to tell you what, Joe. I kept looking at Vince. I looked through this race. I looked through this race. There's no speed in this race. Right. He's the speed. If Air Recruit wants to go, and they're taking uh, a lesser-known Mid-Atlantic rider off and putting one of the more aggressive riders in the country and Louis Saez aboard, if Air Recruit is dead set on the lead from the rail, so be it. One of the best things about Joel Rosario is he'll allow that to happen. He'll allow my boy Prince to gather himself and just put him in a spot. Um, you know, when he he had that he had a shoe repair problem in the summer, and he went out there and he kind of they kind of lollygagged on the lead. Now Joel has the race under his belt. He got beat by Carson's run, who saddled all the way in the outside, fourteen. Well, now thirteen with the scratch. Oh yeah. His two turf races are good. And if you look at two of his poly races, he's just faster than these horses. An 84 buyer, a 95 buyer. I mean, this horse can roll. When he needs to roll, this horse can roll. So I think he has a decided edge on the front end in here. River Tiber, the number two, is the big Euro coming in for uh, O'Brien and Coolmore. They have to be respected. They've won this race an awful lot. Um, I wasn't a fan of the horses out of the Pilgrim. So I'm going to skip the horse out of the Pilgrim, uh, Agate Road, and uh, Fulminero. They're really not for me. Uh, of the Americans, I thought endlessly the number nine. He's done nothing wrong. He's won twice at Del Mar, once over the course at San Anita. He can position himself mid-pack and make one run with Juan Hernandez, who's having a fantastic year. 
And Carson's run on the 14, you know, if he had a little bit of a better draw, I'd probably give him a, a, a second look. He, he handily beat my boy Prince, um, but he certainly did it with a much better setup than he figures to get on tomorrow night. Okay, yeah, Carson's run. Yeah, I did, forgot to turn the page. Liam's journey's out, the 11, but there still are 13 in that race. And uh, our track announcer, Bill Downs, was on early. He went with my boy, Prince. I picked him in our uh, Breeders' Cup draft contest here at Emerald Downs as well on pretty much all the just standard handicapping. Not a lot of speed in the race. He's a good horse with three wins in two seconds from five. And uh, you went through it. A lot of other good things. Rosario, speed figures. Uh, yeah. So my boy Prince for the big A on uh, in that juvenile turf on Friday. Anything on Saturday that interests you? I took a look at the turf sprint. Okay. Oh, boy. That's the, another. The yeah. key word of the day was help, I was told. <laughs> yeah. when, I looked up, when I looked up for the big A signal, it said help instead of the big A signal. So I was like, ah, oh, Joe probably needs some help in some of these crazy races. Because, yeah. you know, if we're being completely honest, this isn't the most star-studded Breeders' Cup we've ever seen. No, it isn't. And I was just saying that here to my folks. It might be better, though, for the gambler. Because I think there's more opportunity to make money this year. I mean, it turns out there's opportunity to make money every year, and I say that and then it chalks out. But this year, I honestly feel like there's nobody. Like, I would imagine Cody's wish is going to be a very short price in the dirt mile. Yep. I'll tell you what, he's not coming into the dirt mile like he was coming into it last year. Yeah, I, and, I agree. I got a horse I like in that race, Anthony. So I'm interested in who you like. Uh, it's not, it's, you know what it is, Vince? It's not who I like. Mm -hmm. It's, I think you almost have to stab against them. You got to find somebody to stab. And I'm the, and I am the biggest proponent of not doing that. I tell people, oh, you never go into a race looking to beat the favorite. If you can find someone to beat the favorite, that's all well and good. But I don't like the way he's come into this race, not from a training point of view. Bill Mott's the best. I've said that numerous times. Bill and, Mott's and the, the story is a great story, too. With yeah, the story's with. amazing. I love the story. Um, but this horse is not coming into that race. And listen, they may have squeezed a lemon in the Whitney. I know people knocked the ride in the Whitney. He didn't have a great start. Uh, I, thought, I think this horse is I think this horse is headed in the wrong direction. Um I would have taken a big stand with practical move. Um, I would have taken him, you know, unfortunately, because a, he just had such a such a tactical edge. I'll tell you what, um, Zozos, yep. Zozos has a has has an edge now with Algiers coming out and then practical move out. I mean, yeah, that's exactly it, Anthea. That's that's my angle there. I think Zozos is going to take the race right to him, and uh, he certainly loves a mile, and we know where he's going to be early. So I think he's. Pretty live horse. The only thing Florent's got to do, Vince, I think, is be careful of National Treasure. Yeah. When National Treasure won the Preakness, it was on the lead. Yeah. When he broke his maiden, it was on the lead. Those were his only two wins. His other his other races, he's off the pace and he's and he, and he doesn't get his. hundred percent, I agree. That's the one that scares me, and he's drawn outside. I can see him just putting him, uh, gunning him early, and that could uh, mess things up a little bit. And that's and you, you mentioned he runs better National Treasure that way, so. Back on his home track, we might see him do that. Um, I think Stage Raider at a big price. Stage Raider doesn't have to be too far off of it. He could trip out 
behind those two. And maybe get, get you know, Brian Hernandez Jr. loves the rail. They did him a big favor by just drawing him in there and leaving him there. Um, I, I could see him. And, you know, the morning line is 15 to 1. That's gone with practical move at 3 to 1 out. And now Deers, mm-hmm. uh, who was 6 to 1, he's going right. to come way down. You know, but even if he's 8 to 1, you want to start the day with a pick 5. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he could post an upset. He's going in the right way. He's a half to justify. Right. Um, so you know, maybe it, it took him a little longer to to find his legs than uh, than it did his uh, older, uh, more yeah. accomplished brother by by a long by a long way. Yeah. Well, beaten just a length by Zozos uh, in that ACAC at Churchill mm-hmm. Stage Raider, and has that great post for a mile on dirt, the one host, uh, one post saving ground. So. Yeah, Cody's Wish has uh, the great record at a mile. He's defending champ. He's got all the buyer figures. But, yeah, in his, watching his last two races, he hasn't been uh, his awesome self uh, that we have seen a number of times in the past, including last year's Breeders' Cup. So, actually, the dirt mile last year, he won by a head, I'm seeing here over Cyberknife. Yeah, yeah and his other problem is, don't forget that, course if that course gets speedy he's got grief mm. and that's early in the day too so i would be very leery very leery of singling and taking a big stand especially at under he's got to be under he's got to be three to five now between the story and the yeah. scratches he's got to be three to okay. five I, would, I think he's i think he's a little bit vulnerable well how if about you're gonna play a pick five you got to be a fool not to use him but I think you can. I think you might be able to beat him on Saturday. We got to get your take in the classic, of course. Well, it's 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 probably the most disappointing Breeders' Cup classic I've ever seen. Uh, you know, like I said, just being cognizant of what's going on in racing my whole life and having really done this work for thirty years. With I mean, I I can't remember a, a de- 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 depressing. It's a depressing race. I, I try to go through the race. I really don't want Zandon. I'm going to tell you who I don't want, who everybody loves, because they think the Magic Man's back. Why the Barrio has start and stopped twice on his training since he's been out there, and I know being out there has been an edge, but he's had some problems. In fact, I've had I've had friends tell me that you know uh, they don't want him for a cent. I got one guy told me he can't lose. I got five guys telling me the way to, the way the training was interrupted. He's a complete no go. Where do you go from there? I mean, do you want Saudi crown? I don't want Saudi crown. I, I, I don't know where to go. That's my problem. You want my take? My take is I have no clue, <laughs> I have no clue what to do in the Breeders' Cup Classic. So, you know, if I'm making an official pick, yeah, I'm just going to default to my man Joel Rosario in proxy. Okay. But if I'm alive in the pick five, I'll have – five or six of them on the ticket and try and, you know, uh, I'll have Saudi crown, even though I don't love him. He's improving. I'll have a bright future for Todd and John Velasquez. He won the mile and a quarter, uh, Jackie Hill woke up. He beat proxy. I'll have proxy. And I think you gotta be a fool not to have Arabian night. The way uh, Bob Baffert wins in California and, that, you know, the way this race is watered down, he's going to be the big favorite, but you want to let this guy beat you. Him and You want to let Bob Baffert and Flavian and Pratt beat you if you can find a price earlier on in the sequence? I'm not going to let that happen. So, Okay. Yeah, the classic uh, losing all those three-year-olds. 
Um, and you know, not the greatest older horse year either. So, but it's going to be run and it's a big pot and, uh, uh, it'll be, it's the Breeders' Cup Classic. So it's going to end a lot of multi-race wagers. So, uh, is there one bet that, uh, you're going to make for sure this weekend? I'm going to bet that Philly I gave you guys okay. in the seventh race on Friday. I'm going to bet, uh... I lost my spot now. Contented, content, uh, content. Yeah, is that her, is it, that's her name. Yeah, I. She just. She's. I love. I love betting the Euros and the distance races on the turf for the two-year-olds. I think they have an edge. Um, they usually have more seasoning, and I feel like she's. I feel like she's been brought to this race, all the seven-eighths races, and then as soon as they hit her with the mile race, she was good. That came on soft ground as well. She's run on all types of ground. So I think she's going to be a big price. Um, and if you can catch one of those euros at a big price, I, I think you got to uh, you got to try to take advantage of it. So I'll make some – I'll use her in the pick five along with those other three horses I mentioned. I'll play her to win. Okay. I'll make an exact key box with Bucho to number three, the six Porto Fortuna, and the nine Carla's Way. So five over three, six, nine. Uh, and I'll make a win bet on uh, the number five, Content. Content, the daughter of Galileo, 15 to 1 morning line. in the That is race number seven, seven on Friday, the Juvenile Phillies turf. Okay. All right, A. Well, you're a little bit closer to uh, some Breeders' Cup uh, get back as you're a little slower getting started this year, but I understand why. No problem. Uh Always great info from you, and good to hear your voice. And let's uh, let's hope we hear more of it in 2024. You will. Thanks for getting okay. the Breeders' Cup juices going, guys. I'm right. kind of quiet and dull about it, but I'm ready now. I'm ready to go finish the work the next uh, the next few hours and tomorrow, and uh, try and make a little score. Very good. Very good, Anthony. Thanks. Thanks, eight. All right, guys. Good luck, everyone. Good. Thanks good, for having me. Good luck to Anthony Stabil. Thanks for joining us, as always, here on our Horse Racing Northwest podcast. And it's time for some sport shorts. Uh, Breeders' Cup-wise, did I mention this earlier? Tap it into mischief more than ready. Have seven wins as sires. That leads all sires and Breeders' Cup wins. And Galileo is way out in front in money earned from his progeny in the Breeders' Cup. He's like uh, close to $16 million and uh, way out in front of Tappet by almost $4 million. Uh, Galileo runners have won the turf five times. And Tuesday last year, she won the Philly and Mare turf. So he's got six winners. He's way out in front there. There's a sport short for me. Uh, okay, I'll do a sport short. Yeah, um, John, we, we talked a little about the first Breeders' Cup back mm -hmm. in November 10th, 1984. You know what else happened that day? Number one ranked Washington played at USC. So this year, number five ranked Washington. Huh. They were undefeated in 84. They lost at USC that day, 16 to 7, as the number one ranked team in the country. They were bounced... you covering that day? No. Okay. Uh, but they, they, they bounced back and beat Washington State. And then, of course, USC won the Pac-8, it would have been. Would have been, Yeah. Or no, it would no, have I been the Pac-10. Yeah, Pac-10. And so Washington went to the Orange Bowl that year, and they had the Boomer Sooner game, and they beat Oklahoma 28-17. But yeah, Washington's unbeaten seat in, 
unbeaten season was derailed at USC. USC was ranked number 14, and then they beat Washington 16 to 7. Very interesting. But, yeah. Also, What's USC rated right now? They're probably in the top 25. Oh, yeah. They've only... Well, they've yeah. lost twice now, haven't they? Yeah, and they've yeah. been very spotty. They, yeah. had, they, you know, they gave up a ton of points to Cal last week. We're very fortunate to win. And barely beat Arizona. Barely beat Arizona. Of course, Arizona's looking pretty Arizona's good. Arizona's good. But anyhow, okay, that's my sports short. Okay. We're going to do a pick here, or you got one? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mentioned a few already. Um, yep, I mentioned one, too. Yeah, austere in the juvenile Phillies turf. Uh, Anthony left her out, but, you know... Um, she she does uh she is two for two she's won a couple different tracks she's tactical kind of liked her noted in the juvenile has the 11 hole but there's a difference between a mile and a 16th and a mile we've said that many times that's that that extra 16th mile enables those outside posts to gain better position in the first turn. That mile is rough going into the first turn. Yeah, you, but, you can lose the race yeah. in the opening furlong there real easy. Yeah, and then uh, Jody's pride in the juvenile Phillies. She's also undefeated. Uh, uh, one at Saratoga and Aqueduct. Her dam was two for two as well. Pratt stays on her. She's got the good post, the two hole. And uh, I think she's 12 to one. She's going against... Tamara, but uh, those are a few picks for me. Vince. Okay, I mentioned I like Zozos a bit yeah. in the dirt mile, and as Anthony mentioned, though, with those two scratches, the 6-1 to one morning line is going to come way down off there, so let's go for a little better price in the Philly and Mare Sprint. That's race 5 on Saturday, mm-hmm. which is 7 furlongs. The uh, Older male sprint, of course, is six furlongs, the Breeders' Cup sprint. The Philly Mare sprint, seven furlongs. The big favorites, number one, Goodnight Olive at six to five. And number seven, Society at five to two. Those horses have the great figures and the great records. But, you know, in looking at the race, I think the horse that's in career form and is, is going to be running into a hot pace is number five, Kirsten Bosch. Um who is, she's by Midnight Loot, who of course was a tremendous Breeders' Cup sprinter. Two wins. In Two the wins. And horses in career form. The figures still say she's way too alight overall to make a, an impression in this race. But, you know, those last two races, I watched them again. She is, you know, she broke slow last time and uh, she flew home to win the Chillingworth in uh, 115 and 1. And uh, this Hector Berrios is a real... Really good rider down in Southern California. Came in last year. He's really effective on the turf. This is a dirt race. But I just think in a race where the pace is going to be very lively early, uh, I want a horse that's going to be finishing. And I think Kirsten Bosch for John Sadler has a chance at a price. She's 10 to 1 on the morning line. Very good. Okay. Yeah, there's just uh, tons of live horses. That's what the Breeders' Cup is. They yeah. come from all over the country, all over North America, all over the world. And they come in with good records. And some, of course, look a little better than others on papers. That's where you get your favorite. But uh, good horses at a price in the Breeders' Cup. All right. Uh, this is our, our longest podcast ever. Is Cy still alive out there? He is. (laughs) Size going good. We're going to finish this up. Our last time uh, trivia question was, who has the best record of horses who ran in the Gottstein at two, uh, the local Northwest Derby at three, and the Long Acres Mile? 
Well, Dr. John H. won the Gottstein, won the Derby, and finished second in the Long Acres Mile. No horses swept them all. Dr. John H. has two wins and a second. Uh, Jumron won here at Emerald Downs. Bud Klockstad's outstanding runner. Wow, seven stakes wins at ages two and three here. He won the Gottstein, he won the Derby, and he did run out in the mile as a four-year-old out of the money. Raised the bluff, second in the Gottstein, won the Derby, and second in the mile, losing in a photo finish to the great face. He was pretty darn close at that as well, but the answer is Dr. John H. I uh, didn't get any correct answers on that, I don't think. It's been a while. We haven't. <laughs> I'll, I'll recheck that. This week's question, how many sires, let's see, how many sires have there been with sons or daughters earning purse money in the Breeders' Cup? How many sires in Breeders' Cup history back to 1984 have there been and had sons or daughters earn at least a check of some sort in the Breeders' Cup? That is a crazy thought. I, I got it in a roundabout way, came to this question. Um, I would have been way probably short on my guess, but uh, we'll see who comes up with some guesses on that. Um, 388 races, 39 years. And uh, for many, many years, about 30 years, Vince, in the Breeders' Cup, you had to run on the top five to get a check. Mm -hmm. Then it went to the top eight until very recently. Now, if you finish 10th, you get about 20 grand in some of the races. You covers, get, covers your shipping. Yeah, you get much. purse money in the top 10 now. So for a long time, that number would have been uh, more restricted. But uh, anyway, uh, if if you have time at some point, think about that one. Okay, send your answers to trivia at emeralddowns.com. Thanks so much to our guests, track announcer Bill Downs, John White, and the big A, Anthony Stabil, for joining us. And uh, great luck to everybody uh, with their prices or with any horses, they bet. And again, Emerald Downs open at 8.30 on Friday and 8 a.m. on Saturday, this Breeders' Cup weekend. Thanks for listening to Horse Racing Northwest. 